Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Chaffin, along with Artemis Brower. We're coming to you this week with episode 33 of the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. 33, wow. It, it's crazy to think. Like It seems like these episodes are just kind of rolling and rolling and rolling by. And we're, I mean, we're, we're crushing them lately, uh, but man. Yeah, the, the more episodes we, the more episodes we put out, it honestly feels like the quicker it's going, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it feels like we were just on, I don't know, episode 23 last week or episode 15 the week before that. So it's, I mean, it's been crazy, but it's been fun. I mean, episode 26, I believe was the one with, uh, was the big one. The the one with, uh, Golick and, and yeah. uh, Shane Carden and, and Jeff Charles. So that, that, that was a. That was just a couple weeks ago. That was, I mean, that was the first game of the season. Um, but, right, right. It's flying by. But, Artie, we are halfway through the football season. Um, we're we're kind of at that halfway point going mm-hmm. into uh, week five. Um, the ECU Pirates are one and three right now. Um, that <laughs> the, the record leaves much to be desired, but we, we all know, true Pirate fans know, that ECU is better than what their what their record shows. I I, I think so yeah. at least. Um, but they're gonna they're gonna have a stiff uh they're gonna have a stiff competition this week when they yeah. go into when they go into Oklahoma into Tulsa and uh, take on the Golden Hurricane in, in Tulsa and and play that. I mean, the thing that I'm looking forward to is I'm, I'm looking forward to see how our offense can match up with their defense. Our offense has the capability to be a high-powered, potent offense, but they haven't shown it this year. And that, that's going to probably be the biggest thing that we need against this uh, this fast, this big Tulsa defense that ha- can give any any team problems. I mean, they held Oklahoma State to 16 points um, in, in week one of, of the football season. So, um, Artie, what, what can you tell me about this Tulsa defense? I mean, you know, just just talking about, you know, ECU for a second, you know, they they have definitely made strides every single week. You know, True Power fans will definitely notice that we have made strides every week. The defense has gotten better every week that we've played, Um, you know, and and, and like you said, we're not as bad as our record says, but the competition doesn't get any easier. And uh, we got Tulsa this, we got Tulsa this weekend. And look, you know, they've, they've got a very talented group on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they like to they like to pass rush. They like to they like to get in your face. They're, they're very physical. They're very physical, and 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 they're very uh, veteran uh, leadership led kind of defense. So it's it's going to be difficult for our offense. With you know we have a lot of skilled players. We have a lot of guys that can get open. We have a lot of guys that can you know um, you know score at will whenever they want to. But like you said, we haven't shown it yet. We've we've been a lackluster offense all season. We haven't really shown up in the big moments when we needed to. Uh, we didn't have Houghton against Navy. We have Houghton back now, and and hopefully coming off the bye week, he was able to get healthy, get rested up, uh, because we're, we're going to need his best performance of the season by by far, bar uh, you know bar none. Houghton is going to have to have his his best performance, maybe that he's had in the three years he's had at ECU. He really needs to be able to come out and show to Pirate Nation, show to his team, and show to himself, and prove to himself um, that he can really carry this team because this defense is going to be in his face all day. Um, they're going to blitz. They're going to they're going to bring the pain. They're going to bring the house. They like to gang tackle. So it's it's a great challenge, not just for Houghton, but for our offense in general. Um, C.J. Johnson, can he get it going this weekend? You know, Tyler Sneed, Blake Pro, can they get it going? We know what Rajay Harris is going to do. He's 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 a stud. He's a dog. He's going to do his thing. But it's a great opportunity for our, for our offense 
uh, to show what we can do against a, a pretty damn good Tulsa football team in general. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit with the guys that we uh, have coming on here in a little bit with uh, the Golden Hurricast. Um, th- those guys joined us. Um, that uh, Mike – or, excuse me, sorry. Taking a step back, I think you said you hit the nail right on the head, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it um, after our interview with the Golden Hurricast here, here in a minute. But um, the one thing that we're going to have to see is we're going to have to see one of these guys that can make big plays step up and make the big play. We're going to have to have one of our guys, one of our superstars on offense come out there and ball the fuck out. You know, that, I mean, that, excuse my language. That, that's just what we're going to have to no, have. But, but, you're absolutely right. They're, they're just gonna have to ball, and, and it can't just be Roger Harris by himself, or, no. or, or or you know, or or our other running backs by themselves. It's it's the running game is gonna open up the passing game, but somebody in that receiving group is gonna have to ball out this weekend. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, yeah. So the one thing that I, I would say is, uh, if ECU can find a way, and they have in the past, uh, and Tulsa Tulsa's got a good defense. They're they're skilled on defense. All around, they're, they're honestly probably one of the best defenses in, in our conference, um, yeah. if, if not the best defense in our conference. I, I think that if ECU can punch them in the mouth in the, in the first half, first quarter, and, and really get out there and um, throw the ball around and show that they can throw the ball around, then I think that's when you'll see a team that is that has a shot at, at pulling the upset because, I mean – Right now we're an 18-point dog, I think, at, at Tulsa. No, nobody's given us a shot to win this ballgame. But um, I, I do think that I – said it, I said it at the beginning of the year. I think that Tulsa's a top three team in our conference right now. And yeah. I also think that Tulsa, this game is a winnable game. There, there's not many games on this schedule even left. We got two ranked opponents coming up. I still think that all three games are winnable. Just show, seeing how this team has played all year, um, right? So, but let's go ahead and throw it over. We we had a uh, Ryan Token, and uh, I, I don't want to pronounce his name wrong. Let, here, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, <laughs> I know it's Rec Team. Let's see, Golden Hurricast. Uh, it is Matt Rec Team and Ryan Token. Ryan Token. Yeah, I, I had to. I had to ask him about three times how, how to pronounce his name. So that way I, I didn't forget it. Um, well, let's send it over to them already. Cause I, I know, I know we got a, uh, we, we got a lot to get to in this podcast. So let, let's go ahead and send it to them. Uh, so without further ado, here's our, here's our interview with the guys at the golden Hurricast. This week on the Boneyard Podcast, everybody, we are we're excited to be doing the something we've never done before. We're collaborating with another podcast. Um, these guys are uh, covering the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. They're the they're the Hurricast Golden Hurricast podcast. How's it going, guys? Uh, this is Ryan Token and Matt Rectine. How's it going, guys? Yeah, Jared, it's going really well. Thanks for having us on. I've been seeing you on Twitter more recently. I don't know. Uh, I was going to ask when you guys got started, but uh, you know, I've been seeing you a lot, so excited to get to chat with you. Yeah, the, uh, go ahead, Matt. I was just gonna. Say, I'm excited to be uh, the first podcast you guys are bringing on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we we started this about our first episode was actually the week before COVID shut everything down, so we yeah. Yeah. we had just started. That's, uh, 
that first yeah. week of March, right? Wasn't... Yeah, yeah, that that was a rough time when we we did the first episode, then the next week everything shut down, and we took a week off. We were like, all right, so what do we do now? And then yeah, we just decided right. to go go with it. We've had uh, some pretty big guests since then. Uh, we've got friends of the podcast. Mike Golick is a friend of the nice. podcast. Now. No way. Wow. Um, Commissioner oh. Mike Oresco, friend of the podcast, ECU <laughs> defensive coordinator, Blake Harrell, friend of the podcast. We've got, we've got some pretty big names. But, uh, yeah, just wanted to kind of jump right in, guys. Um, I mean, Tulsa, I, I've been high on Tulsa since the beginning of the season. Preseason, I've been saying, hey, this team is no joke. Honestly, probably top two, top three team in the, in the conference, that, from, in my opinion. Um, so it's great to talk to you all about them. Uh, they're two and one. They could they could very well be three and zero with a big win over Oklahoma State and UCF, um, guys. Just kind of looking at it, the first three weeks, can you give me a kind of a breakdown on what y'all see from from Tulsa? Yeah, uh, Matt, I'll get it started. Feel free to jump in anytime. But um, yeah, honestly, I think the biggest word is um, a bit of a surprise. It, it I I wouldn't have expected the, especially on the defensive end. Um, the offense, I would honestly have expected to get off to a faster start than they have. Uh, they've really picked it up, obviously, in the last couple of games. But the start against Oklahoma State with the level of experience that we had coming back from last year was kind of surprising. I mean, I know Oklahoma State's defense has proven to be a lot better than they thought as well over in uh, Stillwater there. But, yeah, it's been, it's been surprising. The, uh, the level of success we've had so far this season has been pretty extraordinary, beating number 11 UCF, you know, in Orlando. And then last week, we were only 10-point favorites against the Bulls. Um, thought we should have been more, personally. But we, we definitely proved that uh, wrong there. So we won that game 42-13. to 13. Um, It's been a really powerful season. It's been a ton of fun for us. I mean, I wouldn't have expected uh, the road win over UCF, uh, really, if I, were, if I were picking games earlier this year. But it's been fun, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a nice change of pace because as long as we've been doing the podcast and, and we've had losing records oh. for the last couple of seasons and so like to have this going two and one really nice yeah yeah we started the podcast back uh was it 2018 matt hello i matt? might have lost him not sure but yeah pretty sure we started the podcast uh fall of 2018 and we were, you know, three and nine and then four and eight the next year. And it's been pretty, pretty rough sledding uh, for the first couple of years of doing this thing. So it's nice to kind of finally be picking it up. Yeah, you don't have to tell us anything about three and nine seasons. And four <laughs> yeah, and eight seasons. You really we know. don't. We know all about <laughs> right. that here, here in North Carolina. Far too well about that. Yep. <laughs> Artie, you had a question? And yeah, I was, was going to ask, can one of you guys tell us about quarterback Zach Smith? How has how his leadership and how has his play been, you know, vocal and, and, and influential for the team this season? Yeah, that guy's a monster. I mean, he, he was big last year. He had a good season last year in the four and eight year. Um, kind of under the radar since the record wasn't quite as good as it looks like it might end up being this year. Um, but a big name guy, you know, came from, came from Baylor, uh, had the Philip Montgomery connection because Philip Montgomery was the OC over there before he came to be head coach here at Tulsa. Um, and he actually recruited Zach Smith to Baylor. So that's how that kind of connection got started. Brought him over to Tulsa. Had a good year last year. Um, pretty good numbers overall. But this year it looks like he's taking the next step. Um, he's thrown three picks already this season, two of which, though, really uh, should not be included in his stat numbers. One of them was a fourth quarter just bomb, like at the end of the game, just to try to make something happen when the game was already over. And then 
Another one this season was really a, a total miscommunication that happened in the USF game. Uh, a guy just cut off his route short early, and uh, he just floated over the middle. Um, but he's playing, he's playing lights out. Like the guy, he's got an NFL caliber arm. You, you hear people say that all the time. He's a big dude. Uh, I think he's like 6'3". Um, just looks the part out there. Looks like an NFL quarterback. Not the most mobile guy. Uh, if you get him out in the open space, he's probably not going to break your ankles to, trying to get past you. Um, but he can definitely do it all through the air. He's got great numbers on the season, completing 63% of his passes. Um, and it, it just looks like he's getting better every game, especially looked great the second half of the UCF game. Um, looked, looked fantastic all game against South Florida. So excited to see what he does the rest of the year. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, you talked about Philip Montgomery. Um, we, we used to have a coach with the last name Montgomery. That, he, <laughs> he, he didn't go – or his tenure at ECU wasn't hey, as God, good. <laughs> his tenure at ECU wasn't as good as the one at, at Tulsa. Um, he's 27-38 in, in his six years at, at – or at Tulsa, excuse me. Um, he started off with a kind of like that hot you – know, on a hot, hot start, kind of faded off in the middle. But you can really tell that he's bringing this – that program back. Um, what, what can you tell me about his coaching style? Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's, he's really, it seems like to me, the definition of a player's coach. He's always got the players back. Every time you hear him talk, he's talking about the guys. It's never about him. And, you know, sometimes that can bite you a little bit, I think, because he, you know, w with the bad seasons, um, people want answers as to what's going wrong. And I don't know, he, he's never been really one to talk about the, what's, what's going poorly. Um, he's always, he's a very positive guy in general, right? So he's going to stick to that kind of thing. Um, he's a, he's a really good dude. I mean, you see him on the field and practice, like from videos that the, the team's Twitter account will share, you see him on the field with the players, um, how he treats everybody. Uh, he has a huge amount of respect for everyone on that team, all of his coaching staff, nobody really that in a personal way has ever said a, a bad thing about the guy. Um, really a stand-up leader that you want to see on and off the field. So in that respect, he's been phenomenal all six years here. Obviously had a couple uh, or a few years now with a, a rough record. Um, but like you said, got started off really hot, six and six the first year, 10 and three the next year, um, ton of firepower on offense. And now the defense has kind of stepped up um, over the last few years where the offense has been lacking. And I think that's mostly attributable um, to unfortunately not really having a quarterback for the last several years. Uh, but with Zach Smith, like we just mentioned, coming in the last year, that, that kind of turned things around and the defense has gotten even better along with that. So um, I think his coaching style overall has done well for Tulsa. Um, a few seasons, obviously, are pretty rocky, but his style of ball, he, he plays a fun offense. It's fun to watch. And the defense is, is stepping up now, too, to come into place and the quarterback's finishing it all off. Yeah, and just to throw in I, – I, Sorry, internet's chopping a little choppy over here. Uh, just to tag on, like when he has that quarterback, that's when a lot of other other things go well for the team. And so those first two years, we had uh, you had Dane Evans, who you know was was setting records in the in the American right when we came over. Man, I feel like that guy was at Tulsa for a good twelve years. Like it Dude. felt like that guy was playing an NFL career at Tulsa. I wish, man. He's he's a fan favorite for sure. Everybody would love to have him back. I remember calling him yep. Pretty Boy from the Boneyard. <laughs> yeah, with the long <laughs> hair going on. Yeah, the long golden locks. Yep. Yeah. So then we had those a couple years where we went through Chad President, Luke Skipper, and then we did Seth Boomer for a little bit, and then now, I mean, even last year with Zach Smith, we had a four and eight record, but I mean that was partially because we didn't have a kicker. Like we could very easily have gone <laughs> yeah. six and six and had a bowl game and like maybe had the turnaround come a little bit sooner, but that's kind of like 
a quarterback is essential. Once he has the, once Montgomery has that, he's been pretty successful in like being able to build the offense around that. For sure. Yeah. And now, Go this, ahead, this Tulsa team, this this Tulsa team is is pretty old, right? Like they they got a lot of fourth and fifth year options. Do you think that that equates to the success so far early on in the season, having a lot of older guys, a lot of veteran leadership? Yeah. Um, you know, for for this year. Yeah, no doubt. And I think kind of an even bigger advantage that we might get from that, from having that experience is due to uh, COVID going on over the summer and people losing out on their spring practices, not getting as much practice time over the summertime in the spring ball uh, to get their younger guys up to speed as quickly. And even like getting sophomore to junior level experience back on the field as quickly as you can. I think that happening and then, like you mentioned, having the, a, a large amount of experience come back for us was outweighed in terms of an advantage this year as it normally would be obviously it's an advantage any year uh, if you have experience like that coming back but this year specifically I think it's been a huge help yeah and I, I want to talk about defense real quick um Zayvon Collins this guy has been a <laughs> yeah. stud all year long this guy I mean this guy's looking like a first round draft candidate um uh, he's got two interceptions, three sacks, 22 tackles in three games. Like this guy, I, yeah. I, I don't want to see this guy lining up on, on the defensive <laughs> side of the ball, but uh, whole nailers and, and our um, lackluster offensive line. We'll see that this week. Um, but can, can you talk a little bit about Ooh. him and then also talk a little bit about maybe some of the underrated guys on, on the defense? Yeah, Zayvon Collins is a freak athlete. We just and actually, you said you said three games. Honestly, it's like two and a half games. He missed the second half of the Oklahoma State game and has still put up the numbers like that. And was the uh, was the national defensive player of the week his first week against Oklahoma State, only playing half a game. So it was like the guy is we are we are unbelievably lucky to have him here in Tulsa. He went to high school in Hominy, Oklahoma, which is a tiny little town. Uh, he played quarterback, linebacker, and safety for them, basically just wherever. I think he was also their punter, actually, if I, if I remember that right. Of course uh, Did everything for them. An absolute freak athlete. Um, only offer was, was for Tulsa, so we got him over here, and uh, he has absolutely lit it up. But, yeah, like you said, um, he's a stud. I mean, we, we put a blog post out about him today. One of our former co-hosts actually put the blog post on our website about how he has a, a, you know, a non-zero chance to be – Tulsa's first um, All-American since 1991 when we had, uh, um, I'm blanking on, oh, Jerry Ostrowski uh, from the offensive line. And um, I think that has a real chance to happen. Like, that guy is playing out of his mind right now. If he has the, uh, if the rest of his season is anywhere close to how he's kicked it off these first three games, he's got a real shot. And he was a big name last year, too, and we all knew him. You know, every, everyone who knows Tulsa knew him last year even. Um, but this year, man, he has, he has exploded. His game is on another level. Um, I think he's he's got to be in my mind the front runner for the American Conference Defensive Player of the Year, and uh, he doesn't wow. it doesn't seem like anybody's going to be able to stop him this season. Yeah, he's been like he's a huge dude, but he moves as fast as like somebody in the back backfield, like body of a defensive line, but as fast as a safety. That's like such a huge advantage. And then I guess uh, just for some other guys uh, on the defense, yeah. so. Um, there's we got uh, Kendarren Ray has been uh, I, Phil Montgomery at the beginning of the year said that he might be the best uh, safety that Tulsa has ever produced. And so far, he's wow. looked the part like he's pretty young uh, and he makes a couple mistakes here and there. Like there was a couple. Uh, I think it was this against <laughs> South Florida. He had like a nice pick just drop through his hands. But 
Um, so he's one of the big names that is kind of like making, uh, making a show on defense right now. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example. I forgot the second part of that question there. Uh, Kendaren Ray is a huge underrated guy uh, that if you haven't been following, he's only a redshirt sophomore, and this is the first year he's getting really a lot of playing time. He did a lot of special teams work last year, and he did get in on defense sometimes last season, but um, he's starting this year at safety, and he's doing a hell of a job. He's definitely one. Uh, my favorite position group on the team is our corners. Um, so we've got Allie Green and a Caleb Evans back there playing CB. And man, those guys are some, they're some dogs. They, they don't, they, they're up on you. They get in your face on the line. Um, they talk trash all game. They're, they're going to try to be mean and physical the whole time. And they do a good job. Nobody's really been able to, to blow them out so far. Not even Oklahoma state, uh, UCF got a couple, couple balls out on, uh, on Caleb Evans and Allie Green actually, um, but not enough to, to really get to them. Um, those guys are my favorite people to watch on the team. So definitely a fun matchup because uh, I know ECU's got some ballers at receiver uh, specifically. I'm, I'm most excited about the C.J. Johnson and Allie Green matchup. So that'll be a fun one. Yeah, C.J. Johnson this year hasn't, hasn't really produced. I think he's only got seven catches, but he's averaging about 28 yards per catch. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean. But yeah, and, and he's due to have a big game. What, here, 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 sooner or later, he's due to have a big game. So, and we definitely need it from him. Yep. I know, man. I'm worried about that guy. He's a, he's a stud. He's only a sophomore too, right? Yep. It, yeah, he, he's only a sophomore. He uh, went to high school actually with Holden Nailers, um, nice. th their high school teammates. Mm -hmm. I actually, But I do have it here in my notes. Very good at DB. Going to have to run it to open up the passing game. EC wide receivers are going to have to fight for every reception. <laughs> that, that's what I've got in my notes right here. Because y'all's DBs, y'all's cornerbacks, they're, I mean, they're, big, they're big dudes. I mean, you got – like yeah. these six four guys at cornerback that can also, I mean, they can run with the receivers. So, I mean, yeah, they're studs. Yeah, we're real lucky at the DB spot. And then the, kind of the biggest surprise on defense for us has been the D-line, and they've really stepped up to the plate as well. One of the big names from last year who came back and is having a good year again is Jackson Player. Uh, and then you've got guys like Colin Wick stepping up out of nowhere who are, are having good years as well. Um, Tyra Stevenson's doing a great job. So all across the board, our defense has has outperformed what kind of I thought they were going to do. So let, let me ask, let, Artie, did you have a question? No, go ahead. I'll I'll, I'll ask after you uh, after you ask. All right. So so let me ask you this. So this is going to be the first home game for Tulsa, correct? Correct. Yes. So. Can, can you tell us a little bit about what the environment will be like? I know that Oklahoma has allowed fans. Is Tulsa going to allow fans? If so, how many fans? What, what can we expect to see when the Pirates come into Tulsa? Yeah, so you probably won't be seeing very many. <laughs> but, yeah, they, they are allowing fans. Um, it's a 13% capacity. Our stadium, I think, holds around 30,000 total. So I think what is 13% of 30,000, Matt, like 5,000 or something? 4,000? quick. These are quick maths I was not ready for. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's about four. My guess is about 4,000. I think that's about 13% of 30. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be weird. I don't know. Nobody knows what to expect, really. Um, it's going to be really different. They're taking temperature at the gate for everybody who walks in. You have to wear your mask all the time, even when you're at your, when you're at your, uh, your seat. Um, you're, I mean, enforced distancing, obviously, everywhere. The concessions are doing things like uh, prepackaged food and not in a very limited menus on, on that food. I'm not sure if they're going through with beer sales like they usually do. I hope they do, um, but we will see. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a totally different environment, right? Nobody knows uh, this is the first one. But, yeah, it'll be about, about 4,000 people there. Um, so it'll be, it'll be weird.
Got you. Now, we know that ECU probably isn't going to compete for an American Conference Championship this year, barring something miraculous. Um, and that's going to have to start, start, that's gonna have to start this weekend. Um, but how do, you, how do you guys feel about Tulsa's chances against, you know, the Cincinnati's, the SMU's, uh, the Memphis, the Central Florida's of the world? How do you guys feel that you can compete with them this year as far as competing for an American Conference uh, Championship? I feel good, man. That's a good question. Um, I really do feel good. I was really, really looking forward to that Cincinnati game that was supposed to be two weeks ago now. And obviously that one got postponed. Cincinnati had some um, uh, alleged COVID breakout going on over there. So that, that's playing, we're playing them on December 5th now. Um, but I was really looking forward to that game. I mean, we got, it seems like if, we're, if we keep playing the way we're playing, we've got the talent to play with anybody, go toe-to-toe with anybody in this conference this year. Um, Cincinnati looked really, really good against SMU. I would not have picked that game to go like that. Honestly, I probably would have picked SMU to win it. Um, that obviously yeah. did not happen. It was 42 to 13, same score as our game against South Florida. So they just mopped the floor with the Mustangs last week, which is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the biggest weakness on Cincinnati's team was at the quarterback spot with Desmond Ritter, and that guy just lit up the Mustangs. So that's if he all of a sudden is playing like that, that's that's pretty scary. Yeah. Um, so they seem like the best competition. Uh, I think we'll play really well against SMU. Um, Houston looks really good too. So I'm, I'm a little worried about that game. Uh, but having beat UCF already, I mean, that's a huge notch in our cap. Uh, and then everybody else, I, I, you know, I think it'll be a game with everyone. I don't think there's any, any team that's going to be able to just come in and blow us out only because of our defense being able to limit teams like the way they've been able to do and our offense stepping up to the plate this year and being able to capitalize on the defense, which is something that, often didn't happen last year. Gotcha. Yeah. And I mean, that that's the one thing like y'all, I mean, y'all blew us out last year. I mean, there, I, can't, I don't know the score off the top of my head. It was like 56 to six or, or something. <laughs> yeah, I, don't like think that. It was, yeah. I don't think it was that bad. But, 42, yeah. six, I think it was 42, 16. Honestly. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't close. Yeah. I, I try to forget it. So, um, <laughs> but, but CJ, like you said, CJ Johnson, I mean, he, he was able to ball out. Um, have you, what other guys? What guys are y'all thinking about looking at on on the ECU side of the ball that uh that might shock some people? Yeah, dude. So um, so the two guys I've been talking about, and we brought them up. Just we always do kind of a look around the conference in our in our show every week. Um, and the guys that keep popping up on uh, for me at least that I'm worried about playing. Uh, CJ Johnson, like we've talked about a little bit already. Obviously, Tyler Sneed, kind of everybody knows about him and Holton Aylers, but kind of the the new, the new guy on campus, or, or whatever you want to call him, Rajay Harris. That guy is terrifying. Oh, my God. Every time I see his name anywhere, it's like he's blowing people up. And he's a, is he a true freshman, or is he a redshirt, or what? He's a true freshman out of South Carolina. Freshman. Yeah, dude. So that guy, that guy is, is terrifying. Because, like, the, you know, we've, we've been much better this year at run stopping than we were in past years. Um, last year, that was honestly a, a pretty big weakness for us. And so I feel slightly better, I guess, this year than, we, than I would in previous years. But still, man, I don't know if we've played a back quite like him. I mean, we played Chuba Hubbard in Oklahoma State, but I, I don't know. I don't know if Chuba yeah. Hubbard was hurt against us or we just totally shut them down or what the hell happened with, with Hubbard. But he didn't do anything against us. Uh, and then UCF couldn't really go and get it going really heavily on the ground. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, but he's, he's definitely the one that I've got my eye on is Rajay Harris. Yeah, I mean he he's got nearly 300 yards rushing in the last two games. Um, yeah. I mean, and that those those games were I mean it was against USF and the Navy, but um I mean yeah to be able to put that up he had a and he he had some runs called back last week too. He 
he could have probably put up another 40 to 50 yards on the ground last week against yeah. Navy. Um, ran for an 85-yard touchdown. That, that dude's a stud. <laughs> yeah, man, I know. He's, he's a – He's, he's on pace to get a thousand, even in the shortened season. So that's yeah. That 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 tells you anything. Yeah, he's a freak, man. Is he from North Carolina? He's from South Carolina. He's a. Okay. I'm trying to remember what I can't remember what part of South Carolina he's from, but um, yeah, him and and then uh, we have a true freshman quarterback, Mason Garcia. That I mean, he he he's had to start last week because Holden Aylers was out due to COVID protocol. Um, but I mean, yeah. I I, th- I think. We we talked about this on the podcast. I think if we had old nailers last week, we or two weeks ago, I should say, we would have beat Navy. Uh, I yeah. I wholeheartedly believe that. Yeah, you got to think so. I mean, that was what it was a four point game or something like that, yep. right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, I would I would think the same thing. I mean, that guy obviously very talented. Everybody who follows the American knows about him. Um, and so it was Garcia that got most of that, that most of that playing time. He he got the whole game. The whole he game. The, okay. I yeah. mean, Holden wasn't even there. But um, I, I kind of want to I want to ask y'all so. Tulsa, we, I guess, I guess it's kind of that East Coast bias. Like we, we, uh, I hate to say it, but I don't pay attention as much to the Midwest to, to that uh, Western portion of the country. Um, <laughs> can can you just kind of give me in a quick synopsis of what to expect when we see Tulsa this weekend? Um, so like, oh, are you gonna, are you coming to the game? You mean like in the city in general? No, just just Tulsa, the football team. Okay, yeah. And if somebody um, yeah. is, maybe, yeah, you, you can also give us <laughs> yeah. what to expect from, from Tulsa, the city. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, it's an up-and-comer. But, hey, I'll leave that for another podcast maybe. But, yeah, the uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on with Tulsa's football team this year. I mean, we, we've talked about a lot of it. Um, I think kind of the biggest the biggest storyline – I don't know. I don't want to say the biggest storyline. One, one of the biggest surprises that that's not the defense um, – or not defense related, like I've talked about so far, is the running back crew this year. And we expected them to be really good, but for a different reason than, they, than they've been really good. So coming into the year, we had uh, Shamari Brooks was our leading rusher last year. I think he was the leading rusher the year before that. He's been around for a while. Senior running back. He us up last year. Yeah, man, the guy is, he's been, he's been the dude for, for us on the running back side ever since he got here as a freshman. He had a ton of hype coming in at a high school. Um, he's from right here in Tulsa, like right around the corner. Um, so it was awesome to grab him. Um, and he had been killing it. And then the week before the Oklahoma State game, he tears his ACL and is out for the year, right? So he'll get, you know, assuming he'll be back next year. But for this year, we don't have him. And so, and then also for the Oklahoma State game, uh, we, we our, our second best running back, we thought, uh, Corey Taylor, got three carries due to he, he, he sat out for like 12 days um, before that game due to some COVID issues. So we went into the Oklahoma State game playing – uh, Daneric Prince, who we, nobody on Tulsa's team had ever, or Tulsa fans had never really seen before. He was a Texas A&M transfer. He got like two carries for A&M. And so we, he was pretty much an unknown commodity at that point. Uh, and then TK Wilkerson, who got some good time for us last year, but as a younger dude, and we didn't know quite as much about, you know, compared to Shamari Brooks and Corey Taylor. And then also we had the, this Mizzou transfer, Anthony Watkins, who had just gotten his, like, his waiver to play this year like three days before that game. So all of a sudden we have neither of our two kind of headliner running backs, and we've got Daneric Prince, D.K. Wilkerson, and Anthony Watkins. Anthony Watkins hasn't played much so far this year. He's mostly been doing kickoffs or kick returns, punt returns, or, or just not in there. 
Um, but it has kind of turned into the, the season of Daenerys Prince. That guy has turned into like one hell of a running back. He's already got 232 yards on the season, averaging six, over six yards a carry, I'm pretty sure. Um, he's, I think he's got – yeah, he, both his touchdowns so far this season came last game against South Florida, one of which was like a 67-yard run. Uh, the other one was 27 or something like that. Um, he's lighting it up. He's a big, he's a big, powerful running back. Uh, he's really, really fast. You might have seen if you watched that 64-yard touchdown run, he beat the entire team, outran the entire secondary uh, to score that touchdown. He's been a huge highlight, especially after losing Shamari Brooks, you know, before that first game. That was a huge, huge downer. Uh, but he has picked up the slack for sure. That, that's awesome gotcha. to hear. Now, if you, if you guys had to give one glaring weakness to Tulsa, or, or just one weakness in general that you've seen over the course of the first couple of weeks of the season, what would that be? Good question. Glaring weakness. Um, the first one, I think, I mean, we Can haven't we pick, shown any. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just, I mean, if we're not being specific to the team, I would say uh, a lot of decisions that Montgomery has made have just been really poor on like clock management uh, and when okay. he calls timeouts and play calling. Um, there's been, so like part of that is, we aren't nearly as aggressive in our play calls as I think we could be. And so we'll settle for field goals instead of going for it on fourth down or we'll punt it away. And so that's part of it. Uh, but then like, if you're looking specifically on like the team itself, I would still go special teams. Um, and that is because like we had, we recruited a kicker, had a scholarship kicker who came in, was iced by Montgomery in his first kick and then missed <laughs> yeah. his subsequent next field goal. And then we have not seen him in a game since that time. And so like, we don't know, like our kicking game is just not super strong. Um, and so like, you would think we would be more aggressive when we're in the red zone, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, so I'd say special teams is definitely our weakest. Um, and I know South Florida last week got a couple big returns uh, on kickoffs mm -hmm. from that. Yeah, that's a good that's a good call. Special teams is is the weakness for sure. Um, and like like Matt mentioned, Tyler Tipton, that was our scholarship kicker that we signed last year, um, freshman kicker, right? And like Matt mentioned, Montgomery kind of iced him, and then he missed it, and then uh, we haven't seen it. And he didn't even travel to UCF, and I don't know if he traveled to South Florida and didn't play or if he didn't travel that game either. So I'm not sure what's going on with him. It'd be a huge bummer. That was actually Montgomery's first scholarship kicker in his tenure as head coach. So not sure what's happening with that um but that's that's definitely the weakness and our our punt our punter Lachlan Wilson is a an Aussie style guy he's from Australia um does the kind of rugby punt and he actually had a hell of a game against UCF I think he was the American Conference Special Teams Player of the Week uh, averaged like 45 yards a punt put a bunch of them inside the 10 I think he had two inside the five uh, really gave us a huge advantage there but then um South Florida last week or just a couple days ago on Friday uh he had a he had a rough game I mean the I think his average punt was down to like 33 yards a punt or 35 or something like that. And none of them were inside the 20. And it was a much, it was like the, it didn't even look like the same guy. So I don't know what we're going to see out of him, but we've seen the really high highs already and the really low lows just in a span of two games from UCF to USF. Well, guys, I think that's all the questions we have right now. Um, I want to thank yeah. y'all for, for joining us on the Boneyard podcast. Uh, best of luck to y'all um, after this week. We we hope that the Pirates can come in and, and uh, lay a whooping on the Golden Hurricane. I don't even know what a Golden Hurricane is. I'm, I'm, is it some kind of tornado? What, what, that's my last <laughs> yeah, question. Yeah, 
It's a hurricane, Jared. It says hurricane. Yeah, man. Come on. They're in the middle of the damn country. <laughs> How the hell are they having a hurricane? Yeah, well, so, but it's a hurricane. I mean, not tornado. Yeah. So the story, the, the story, like the lore behind the team name is that uh, coach back in like the 20s um, decided he wanted to be the Golden Tornadoes. And that was actually, I think Georgia Tech at the time was actually called the Golden Tornadoes. And he wanted to be something totally unique, right? So they just, you know, quote, shifted meteorologically to the hurricane, the Golden Hurricane. So <laughs> that's how that happened. The story that I like to tell people is that it's based off uh, the Dust Bowl from the 20s. And so it's like a, you know, a hurricane of dust flying around, which makes a little bit more sense to my own mind. I don't know, but whatever. Basically, we, were, we wanted to be the Golden Tornadoes, uh, but we couldn't be that. So now we are the Golden Hurricane. Awesome. Well, thank you all again for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast this week. Uh, it, it's been a real pleasure having you all on. We're going to have to do this more often. Yeah, man. Really enjoyed it. Like I said, I've uh, been looking forward to getting to talk to you guys. It was a real blast. So thanks for having us on. Yeah, man. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Once again, we want to thank uh, Ryan and Matt for joining us on, on the Boneyard Podcast. I also went on to the Golden Hurricast after we uh, we recorded that call, um, and, and I talked about ECU football. So if you want to get a double dose of ECU Tulsa this this matchup, go ahead and do yourself a favor. Go over to the Golden Hurricast. They're on Apple. They're on Spotify. Go uh, go check them out and, and give that podcast a listen. Give that episode a listen, and uh, and, and share the love. Okay, Pirate Nation. Um, it, we had, we had a blast too. I, I I think that was that was a fun time. Already what what. What did you take out of it? No, I was real fun, man. Both of those guys are very knowledgeable. They 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 know their Tulsa football, and uh, you know, just excited about the matchup to to play Tulsa this weekend and be able to prove ourselves. So it was it was really fun being able to talk to them and pick their brains about about Tulsa. Yeah, I I, I had a blast, and I, I talked to Ryan afterwards, and I, I thought we we both said we're going to have to do that more often. I, I think we're going to try to collaborate again come basketball season and and get something yeah, going there. Um, but Artie, we got some big names coming back this week on offense and around ECU football. Um, if, right. you rem- if you remember correctly, um, your boys here at the Boneyard Podcast were the first ones to break the news that Hole Nailers wasn't going to be playing at last, uh, the last time the Pirates took the field against Navy. And uh, we're, we're back. They're, they're back. Hole Nailers, uh, you got Darius Penix coming back, and you got Tank Robinson coming back as well um, on the defense. and. Artie, we got we got some studs coming back in, and we we almost beat Navy without them. Can mm-hmm. do you think that they can put uh put ECU over over the top on on Friday night? You know, we got some studs coming back. Obviously, having our starting quarterback back is is you know a must. You know, as much as I love the man child that is Mason Garcia, uh, he's not quite there yet, and so having Holton back, obviously, he is our best chance at success and our best chance for victory. Um, but Tulsa is not Navy. You know, this is, this is not Navy. We're playing, we're playing Tulsa, which is one of the better competition, one of the better teams in our conference. 
Um, I'm really curious to see how Darius Penix, how he works his way into to the role, you know, with Roger Harris and with some of the other back, backs that we have. Um, is, is he going to be a third down kind of back? Is he going to be a goal line back? Is he going to be a first down back? Is he going to be someone that they try to pass to out of the backfield? I'm really curious to see how, how they're going to use Darius Penix because you know that, you know, Coach Houston is not going to want to limit Rajay's touches. Uh, so, you know, he, he's, he's going to be the, you know, the, the, the bell cow running back. He's going to be the, the guy that's getting most of the reps. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious to see that aspect. And then, um, you know, obviously speaking about Houghton Aylers, um, can his timing get it, you know, finally get right with his receivers? You know, can we pop open one of those huge, you know, not just one big play, but two or three big plays throughout the game to where, okay, Tulsa's defense has to respect the passing game. They know they have to respect the running game, but now they know they have to respect the passing game too. And that's really going to put them behind the eight ball. So, you know, I, 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 I honestly don't see us being able to put up, put up enough points just because we haven't proven it yet against lesser competition or lesser defenses. But, you know, I, I, I'd love to be pleasantly surprised uh, come Friday night. Yeah, and that's, the, that's probably the thing that I'm thinking about the most is we haven't seen it yet. Um, we haven't seen the offense produce like, like we know that they can. Um, if, if I had to guess, we're, gonna, we're about to see some offensive explos- explosion um, at some point in the next couple of weeks. Right. We're gonna, and I, and, and, this offense is going to click, and this is around the time that the offense clicked last year going into the games against Cincinnati and SMU where we took them, mm-hmm. we took them to the brink in, I think, back-to-back weeks. Um, and I, yep. I believe that came off the bye week last year. Now, this bye week's a little bit different this year, but um, I, I think that the coaching staff listening to – and we're about to get to the the um, press conferences, but listening to Coach Mike Houston today, today being Wednesday, listening to his press conference and him saying, yeah, like it sucked having those guys. They, they were a little bit rusty, but that was, the, that was the benefit of having the bye week when we had it. Um, we, we were able to get those guys back and knock the rust off and get their timing back. And, I mean, Coach Donnie Kirkpatrick in his press conference just last night on, on Tuesday night, he said, he said, as soon as Holden Aylers got the positive test, he, he said that, well, um, give, me, give me the tape on Tulsa. Uh, I, don't, I don't need to prepare for Navy anymore. Let me, let me go start preparing for Tulsa. And so he's been preparing for an extra week. And the, the, thing, about, the thing about Holden Aylers that I don't think a lot of people recognize is he still does have some good football IQ. Um, he's got room for improvement. But I think that he has some of the best football IQ that I've seen out of a quarterback at ECU in, in quite some time. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. The only thing that I would say with Houghton is, is sometimes his decision-making can be a little – like it makes you scratch your head a little bit, you know, especially with that in that Georgia State game where, yep. you know, he looked like he wanted to pass, but he ran, and he looked like he wanted to run at times, and he – he'd take a sack because he waited too long in the pocket or he uh, threw an interception when he could have gained 10 or 15 yards running the ball down the field. It's just some of that indecisiveness that you like, okay, that's really the last thing that he's got to get down before he can become an elite college quarterback is that decision-making in the critical moments. Yeah, I, I looked at uh, – I, I went back and watched some of that tape from, from a couple weeks ago at Georgia State, and – yeah, he had that indecisiveness, but I also think that a lot of that can be put on the offensive line because. No, you're right. And, and, going and back our, to that, our O line is still the weakest part of our team. 
That, oh, that's yeah. just without question. Oh, yeah. And, um, I mean, Navy had – or not Navy, excuse me. Tulsa has, like I said, a big defense. They got some big stud guys uh, on that front seven, and they're going to bring them. They're going to they're gonna bring heat on every single play, but then you also have 6'4 DBs that weigh in at 230 that can run like a wide receiver, can run like a running back. And they're ball hawks too. I mean, this is going to be a this is going to be a knockdown drag out type of fight at the line with wide receivers, DBs going at it. You're going to have the ECU's offensive line is going to have to stand up and stand tall and uh, try to step on some necks for a little bit, and then and then hit it in high gear. But um, yeah, the biggest thing I think for ECU is if. ECU's defense. I, I'm, I'm not fully sold on Tulsa's offense. They, they haven't done anything to really prove me that they can that they can put up numbers. Um, so the mm-hmm. biggest thing for me is ECU's defense needs to play like they played against Navy um, two weeks ago. I mean, yeah. That <laughs> I think if ECU did that, I think all of us would be very happy come Friday night. Um, we might not come out with the win. But I think a lot of us will say, okay, we've finally made a step in the right direction on defense. Friend of the podcast, Blake Harrell. Um, shout out to Coach Blake Harrell. He uh, he actually followed me on on Twitter today. Um, shoot, I shot him a little DM and, and thanked him for what? following me. He, he followed the Twitter gods? He, he, he followed me on Twitter. So, um, yeah, I mean, what can I say? A little humble brag there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, we DM'd back and forth a little bit and, um, always a great time to great time to talk to him and uh, pick his brain a little bit. But Coach Harrell, I mean, I, I like what he's done with this defense. Um, he, he's going to change it up every single play. Um, and then, like we said in, in the interview and talk in the talk with the Golden Hurricast, I mean, ECU has become uh, they've gotten better at making those adjustments at halftime and. It, if ECU gives up a touchdown or two in the first half, they can't give up t- more than 20 points in the first half. Mark it down. If ECU holds them to less than 20 points in the first half, we're going to see a, we're going to see a gunslinging uh, duel come out in the second half. And we're going to see two teams really scratch and claw for every single point in the second half. That I mean, I, I think that's going to be what we see. I think that's the type of game I want to see out of ECU, especially playing this defense at Tulsa. Um, but the defense needs to step up and really show, okay, yeah, we can play with the big boys too. Well, the, the and, and the enlightening and, and encouraging thing that you've seen from the defense this year is that they've been a bend but don't break kind of defense. In years past, they've yep. just been a break kind of defense. We're just gonna we're just gonna break the spirit of ECU's defense, and that's what that's what opponents did. This year, people are not breaking our spirit. They are, they're moving the ball. They're driving the ball. But we're making them earn it. We're making them earn it on first down. We're making them earn it on second down. We're making them have these long, you know, drawn-out drives to really try to score and get to the end zone. And a lot of times, we're able to hold them to field goals. And so that's, that's been one key factor that, I, that I've seen from our defense that I think is going to, you know, be a, a huge factor this, this Friday 
playing Tulsa, can we be a bend but don't break? Can we? Yes, they're going to have their, their their scoring drives. Yes, they're going to get up and down the field. But can we limit them to field goals instead of touchdowns? And then Xavier Smith, he's been a tackling machine for us all season long. I think he's going to have a good game. And then obviously uh, Jaquan McMillan, I, I want to see a pick six. I, I think we he's due for one this season. I think he's going to get one at some point this season. I think Jaquan, if he can get a pick six in this game, watch out. Yeah, I think just you, you said it I mean, perfectly. I mean, I think ECU can do it. Um, I, I'm excited to see it happen. Um, I think this might be the game where we see it all kind of come together against a, a reputable opponent. Um, yeah. I, th- I, I mean, we've been blown out by Tulsa, and who knows? I mean, you, you can never tell with, with this Tulsa team that they're one, – one week they're beating you down, the next week they're just kind of stepping on your throat on defense. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a close game and ECU builds a bunch of confidence coming off this game, going into the game against Cincinnati next week. Mm-hmm. So, but let, let's go ahead, Artie, and send it over to the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, along with Coach Mike Houston. We're going to package all three of them in, in their uh, press conferences over the last two days. We're going to package those together so you can hear them and hear what they have to say about this matchup against Tulsa on Friday night on ESPN2. How's everybody doing? Hey, Coach. How are you, sir? Good, good. All right. We'll just go ahead and uh, open it up for uh, questions for Coach Harrell. Blake, you got a big game coming up on uh, on Friday here. Uh, needless to say, you're going to have to find some ways to break serve defensively. Uh, talk about the importance of winning a few defensive battles and a few series along the way and, uh, and you know, just to try to give your offense a little bit of a chance to, um, to stay up with, with uh, Tulsa, who scores a lot of points. Yeah, they're, they're certainly a good offense and, uh, you know, experienced quarterback who does a really nice job running the offense and putting the ball in those receivers' hands. Huge up front, good running back. So, like you said, cert- certainly a challenge for us. Um, for us, I think we got to stop the run on, on what I call the normal downs, first and second down, and get them in third down situations. Uh, you know, third and five, third and ten plus, um, the longer the better for us. But that's that's where we got to win it at. And just starts off, you know, by doing a good job with our fundamentals up front, linebacker-wise, and make sure we don't give up the big play uh, in the pass game and, and be ready to go. Uh, as we tell, tell our kids all week and even in, in the bye week last night, week, the team is more physical, plays, you know, better effort, better energy, better execution. Is going to be the team that has a chance to win the ball game in the fourth quarter. And I know that sounds kind of like a, a repeat from week to week, but it, it's very consistent from week to week. With the, the Navy game, so y'all did some good things for sure, for sure, especially up front. But when you face a team like Navy and how unique they are, can you take a whole lot out of that? Or you kind of have to just flush it just because their style is so different from what you'll see this week in other teams, obviously? Well, you know, anytime you play a triple option, obviously we did some good things in the game. Um, you know, I wish we could have put a complete game together, but uh, we did some good things that I think helps us, comp- our confidence just helps us, you know, hey, we can play fast, we can play with great effort, all those type of things, and, and make some plays against a good Navy football team. But anytime you go face the triple option to a more traditional offense, it takes a few days to get back in line of, hey, we're going to go have fast scale and we're going to drop into coverage this week. You know, for the linebackers, so. Uh, they, they were used to being about four yards and playing downhill and tackling the dive and along with their D linemen. So you had to get those guys back in the pass rush mode and, 
any linebackers back in the pass crops and, and you know, hey guys, we're going to actually get out of the box this week and, and move around a little bit. So that was a little bit different. And, and the good thing we had to buy a week, which was kind of nice that you had a few extra days to get them back into that mode and, and um, got to go against our offense a little bit. So it helped, helped kind of make that transition a little smoother. Watching Tulsa, it seems like they're one of the more balanced teams you guys might face. Is that tough? Just I know every team can run it or throw it, but really you can't really spot on one, one specific thing to take away. Yeah, on first and second down, they're, they're very balanced. I mean, the quarterback's an RPO guy. If, if you bring pressure, he's going to throw it right where you brought the pressure from. So you got to do a good job disguising those things, changing the looks up for him, uh, whether it be different fronts, different coverages. And they can run, certainly run the football and, and prove that last week. So, um, and they're an experienced football team. They're an old, you know, all the old linemen for the most part are back, older receivers, older running backs. So you got to change the looks up on them, change the looks up on the quarterback, take away the run game, make him put it in the air. Um, and, and hopefully you can, you can get a, a pick or, or knock the ball down and get a sack or two and, and uh, change the game around a little bit. Four games into the season, how do you think the, the secondary has played thus far, you know, Tripp and, and uh, Steve Ellis kind of coaching things about there? Yeah, those, those guys are doing a heck of a job coaching those guys up back there, and, and you see improvement from week to week to week. I think if you just compare the, the first two ball games to the last two ball games, uh, you see a total different secondary. I mean, a, a secondary that's uh, confident, flying around, uh, making plays, going up and getting the ball, and that's kind of nice to have back there, and you feel more and more comfortable with those guys every week. Can you uh, just speak with our two, uh, Elijah Morris? And he was such an unknown, uh, I'm sure not only to you, but, but so many people until maybe kind of a few weeks ago. Just his emergence, what does that mean for this team? And I guess you can kind of call it a pleasant surprise, maybe something you weren't counting on, you know, really. Yeah, Elijah's kind of – he's kind of my hero right now. Um, you know, just he's kind of the underdog, came here, nobody knew about him, and um, – for a, for a while there, we all we called him by was his number, and he was number sixty for a while in camp and and through the preseason, and we just called him sixty, and, and he kept coming to work every day, and he'd work his tail off, fight his tail off. It didn't matter if he was going with the against the twos, the threes, the ones, he kept showing up. And next thing you know, he's in the lineup, he's on the travel team, gets to start against Navy, and, and makes big plays throughout the ball game. And he's he's changed numbers now, so we had to call him ninety sometimes, but uh, we all for sure know his name by now. Coach Houston talked a lot about during the bye getting some young guys some work, you know, maybe resting some of the guys that played more. Did, did you see any of those freshmen or younger guys kind of take a, a, a leap during that bye week? Well, our, our whole defense is young, so we got them all work. But, yeah, yeah we're seeing some of those young D linemen that you have, you guys haven't got a chance to, to see yet really step up and make some plays. Uh, Deontay Johnson, um, th those guys are starting to impress. Mark, uh, Shuford is, is really kind of coming along. And you can see those guys, they're getting better every week like you would expect the young guys. So that was nice to see and, and get those guys some reps and live action and, and just see them go compete uh, during a bye week. You have, might have a few extra minutes to, to steal those guys some reps. Like that bunch looks like they're getting some confidence. How much is that going to help um, as, you, as you move forward here? They, they're starting to exude a little bit of confidence on the field and they, they're showing some belief. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, anytime that – you know, when, when you're unconfident or you're not sure or you don't know the scheme very well or you just you're hesitant, it kind of makes you look maybe slow or maybe look like, uh, you know, we always say soft or a coward. 
But anytime you start to get a little confidence, things go well. Maybe you play, you know, play well at times against Navy. You play well at times against South Florida. It just builds your confidence. Next thing you know, you're seeing things faster. Uh, you're recognizing what the offense is trying to do a little faster. And you know the defense even better. I just was talking to my linebackers in my room, you know, just yesterday. They, they're calling out the answers of everything I was having a month ago to kind of lead them, you know, lead them to the water so they could drink it. And now they're calling everybody out, say, hey, this is this. This is where I fit. This is my job. This is my responsibility. And that's part of new defense kind of coming along, getting a little confidence. And I think you're going to see our guys play a lot faster as the year goes throughout. Coach, we've seen, uh, you know, Taylor Jackson, a freshman in your room, play some. How, how's Eric Doctor coming along? Eric Doctor's doing a good job. He's, uh, you know, the pa the pandemic, he had to get back in shape, and he's finally getting in shape and changing his body around and, and doing some nice things and, and, and competing. Did a nice job last week competing when he got some opportunities. And, I look, you know, in the years to come, I think he's going to be a really good linebacker for us. Are there any other questions for Coach Harrell? Okay, Coach, thank you for your time. All right, appreciate you guys. Mm -hmm. Hello, fellas. Hey, Coach, how are you, sir? I'm okay. How are you guys? Doing well. We're just going to go ahead and uh, start with questions for Coach Kirkpatrick. Well, Coach, uh, how do you compare and contrast maybe this week of prep uh, compared to the Navy game? You have your starting quarterback back. Does that, does that help? Well, uh, yeah, it helps my stomach. It helps my digestive system. Um, yeah, you know, uh, that's a tough deal. You know, we, <laughs> we we tried to prepare for it as much as we could. We, we talked about, you know, that's a possibility. Uh, but, you know, reality was that was, uh, that was a hectic week. Uh, I mean, it, it's a fun week. I mean, you know, it's an exciting week. Uh, but, I, you know, I, it, it was a tough week. You, you call a young man on Tuesday afternoon and say, can you get over here a little bit early today? And yeah, what's up? Hey, you're starting this week, you know? And he thought, thought I was joking, you know what I'm saying? I think he was the only one that didn't know the rumors. He didn't pay attention to all the rumors or whatever. So, you know, we had to have some cram sessions there. And uh, this week we're kind of back, you know, normal normal week. And, and that is a good feeling for the offense because obviously holding such a huge part of that. Not that Mason didn't do a, do a good job, but obviously, you know, he, he was inexperienced at it. And this, this gives us a much better chance to go win, win the game. When you look at Tulsa's uh, cornerbacks, I think three of the top four guys are 6'2", 6'3". And, and when they played Oklahoma State, that was something the ESPN guys kept harping on, which is those corners and their physicality. What is the challenge there? Is it to, to try to be physical with them or outrun them? Or how do you kind of deal with, with that, I guess? I tell you what, they're good. They're good all over on defense. You know, last year was the last game of the year disappointed in how we played. I was disappointed just in our effort and a lot of other things too. Really slow starting on offense, finished pretty good. Uh, but we knew going into the game, we thought they were one of the best defenses in the league, if not the best personnel-wise. Uh, that's the same thing again. They got five starters back, but they got six other guys that all played. Um, it was a physical game last year with them. CJ, had a had a big game, six catches, I think like 140-some yards, a touchdown, had another one called back. But it was a physical game, a lot of interference calls, uh, almost came to blows a couple of times. So their guys are going to be in your face, and they're big enough, and they're physical enough, they're tall, they are long-armed, and they don't care. They're, they're, they, they might get an interference on one play, they're going to be right back at you the next play, and uh, they're going to be physical. So our kids are going to have to really 
concentrate on their technique is what you got to do. You got you got to use release moves. You can't just come off the line of scrimmage. You've got to be a good technician. You got to use your release moves. We got to help them some. We got to you know use motions. We got to move them around a little bit. You, know, you got to find some legal rubs in there to get them off some of the man coverage. Uh, but they present a lot of problems. Uh, those, the, the, there's there's five DBs. It's a three three stack type scheme with five DBs. It's very unusual, but it's becoming popular in college football right now. And uh, so we're starting to see a little bit more of it. SMU's running a version of it. Uh, South Florida's actually running a version of this too. So we are getting some experience at seeing it. So hopefully that'll help us. Donnie, everybody knows that you're going to have to be able to throw the football a little bit against Tulsa. And, uh, you know, unlike your days when you were in the, the band, the Romantics, back in your big hair days in the 1980s, um, you wouldn't be talking in your sleep if you, um, if, you, if you didn't say something about the fact that you're going to have to be able to run the ball too. Well, you know, our goal was always to try to be balanced. You know, uh, meeting with Coach Houston earlier in the week, and he's like, you know, came in and how how are they? And I was like, well, you're not going to want to hear this, but they're pretty they're they're pretty good again. And he's like, yeah, no, I already know that. You know, I I knew they were. And he's like, are we going to be able to run the ball? And I was like, well, we'll have to be able to run the ball. And he's like, you know. Lord, I don't, I don't care if you throw it 60 times, you know, whatever. I don't care how you do it. We just got to find a way to move it, and we got to find a way to score points. And so just, you know, do what you got to do. And I was like, well, we will. But you'll have to be balanced because they'll drop eight guys on you uh, in pass coverage. Uh, they'll play man, but they'll still drop eight. It's a lot of tight seams. It's hard to throw the ball, you know, when people drop eight guys. Uh, you got to be able to run the ball in order to get them to play some run defenses so that you can throw the ball. At the same time, you know, you just got to keep them off, off kilter a little bit because you can't let them know what you're going to do. I think we're suited for that. I feel good about our run game. I feel good that we can throw the ball as well. What I'd like to see us do now is do both of them really well in one game. I think we kind of did that at South Florida. I think that was probably the reason for our success of scoring so many points there. That's probably the only game we've, ever, we've been able to do both really well. So we're going to need to do that again. I think we're set up for that, though. So it's going to be a fun night. This sets up as, as you know, a difficult matchup to try to run the football against this bunch. Uh, just watching them on TV last week and the last couple of weeks, uh, it's going to be a tough nut to crack. But your team is running the ball as, as well as they have in a long time at East Carolina. Well, I think so, too. I think the kids are doing a nice job up front. Last two weeks, we played really good up front, and that's been a mess. You know, you got to have a program to know who's playing up front right now and, who, and who's what position, but they played really well up front. The runbacks obviously have done a nice job, too, I think, you know, with that. So, yeah, it, it, again, it's, this, is a, this is a big challenge going to Tulsa, playing on a Friday night. You know, it's a little bit of a different schedule. I hear it's going to be a little bit of a cool night, which, you know, I guess, I guess some of our players like that. Some of them probably don't like that very much. Uh, good team. They're playing really, really well right now. If you watch the Oklahoma State game, uh, you, you, you would really be, be upset. I mean, you'd be like, okay, this is not good. That's an undefeated ranked team, Oklahoma State is. Pretty good on offense. I know the quarterback got hurt in that game, but uh, scary good how good they played on defense. You know, Central Florida's pretty good on offense. And, you know, Central Florida, after the, a quick start, was not able to do much against this defense. So um, we have a huge amount of respect for them, but we love this challenge. Our kids have embraced it. We've had a great week of practice. That's all you can do is have a good meeting, then have a good practice, you know, then the next day come back and, and do that again. And so at this point, um, we're going in there with the, all eyes on playing well. And if you play well, good things will happen. 
Donnie, I don't want to get too kind of personal, but with Holton, you know, kind of mentally, how has he been? Has he been – is he motivated or, or has he been able to kind of shake off missing that game? How has he kind of been in practice or with the teammates, that type thing? Well, mentally, he didn't miss a beat. You know, he uh, – you know, we spoke when he got the positive test. And uh, he went to watching Tulsa film that afternoon. He watched all her practices every day, even though, you know, he wasn't going to play in the Navy game. Though there was still a little bit of an outside chance. There was a lot of little things going on that we weren't never 100% sure what was going to happen. Would, would there be a retest? Would there be something else going on? There were a lot, so many rumors. It, it, was, it was hard to concentrate. It made it really a tough week. But he didn't lose anything mentally. I thought when he came out Saturday, the first day back, he really was able to practice. He was a little rusty with his throws. Uh, he had reverted back a little bit to dropping his uh, release a little bit from kind of the way he was doing before we got here. You know, just kind of had to get back into the groove of it like that, I thought, physically. Uh, we were very careful with him. We didn't, you know, just put him in there every play and just run him to death the first day. The protocol wouldn't let you do that anyhow. Uh, but mentally, he's been good. And he was ready for this game plan. He was ahead of me. He was asking me questions. And I was like, I'm still worried about Navy. You, you get that done for Tulsa, and then we'll, we'll get on Tulsa, you know, the next week. So he was pushing us to get to that from the very get-go then. I said, we still got a whole week. We don't want to get too far along in the game plan. I think you get stale if you practice it too many times. You just want to start to dabble in it a little bit. Uh, we wanted to do some other things. We wanted to do some things in open day just to look at ourselves, self-scout, self go back, see what's working, what's not working, see if we needed to change anything, and then start to get into Tulsa a little bit later in the week. He was ready to go Saturday, though. He was he was bugging the heck out of me, to be honest with you. With uh, him missing la most of the last week, <laughs> getting Mason maybe some more number one reps, did you see him kind of learn from that film and, and take a leap after the game? Oh, it's unbelievable. Now, he came in on that Sunday. I said, all right, Mason, you know, put your helmet on, better, better strap up a little bit. You know, you usually sit in here and the other guy gets all the critique and it's kind of nice and easy. You sit back and kind of watch that. Now it's going to all be aimed at you. And, you know, Mason played, I think, 65 plays in the game. And there were 33 plays that he he really re was a major factor in the result of those those plays. And the percentage of those were still pretty good. You know, he had six or seven, though, that if he could have made the throw or made the read, you know, would have made a world of difference. And when he saw them, he was like, oh, my goodness. You know, it's just, wow, uh, how did I miss that? You know, how did I didn't know that, you know? And so we actually, then I brought him back again the next day, and we rewatched those 30-some plays again, just one-on-one. -on -one so that I could be a little more direct with him because as a true freshman, I didn't want to totally just destroy him, you know, not even meaning to. But, you know, really on a football play, a coach can kind of go through that play and dissect it for a long time. And everybody does a little something that you're like, well, you should have stepped here a little bit better. You probably should have done this. So, you know, I tried not to destroy him in front of the group, then brought him back one-on-one. -on -one. I was able to really, you know, kind of really, really get into some of that. And, uh, I think he, he he grew leaps and bounds. You know, the, the, the issue with, with it is he's a great, talented player, and he's going to be outstanding. You know, he didn't have spring ball. He wasn't an early enrollee. You know, he got here in July, and it's the weirdest summer ever because you, you some of the meetings were Zoom. And I, I don't know, you know, kids, especially – Rookies, they're not ready for Zoom meetings. You gotta, you gotta be in, you know, right there with them. You gotta be able to be a little more direct with them and 
and that. So, you know, the, the practices were kind of inconsistent. The other big thing was we brought in several new quarterbacks. So we really kind of put them all in there and let them kind of work and let it filter itself out. So he wasn't just getting all the reps early. So uh, the other thing, he'd had three plays against Georgia State in mop-up duty, which, you know, hardly anybody was paying attention to that point. So he didn't have very much experience going into that game. Navy is a very complex defense. Uh, one of the tougher things to figure for a quarterback, Holton kind of, you know, talked to him for me a little bit. And Holton said, well, Coach, I hate to say it. I won't say it to him. This is not the game you want to be your first start against Navy with that defense. You know, you'd rather be somebody that lines up a little more simple. But uh, he, he handled it okay, and he's learned a lot. He's been better in practices since then. So, uh, you know, you get better playing. I wish we could play all of them more. It'd be great. But, uh, obviously, the games just don't let you do that. Donnie, how much better is this team than the, the record is currently right now? Um, if you were to have to put a grade on it, or how these guys feel about it as well, you know, um, it's not all gone. <laughs> it could have gone. And But what's yeah. your general take on it? Well, you know, I, I don't know. We kind of have a say, and I guess you're as strong as the weight you lift. You're as fast as the time you run. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're you know, you're, you're as tall as you measure, I guess. So you are what you are. You know, we, we don't – try to go past that. We're obviously a um, much better team, though, than we were last year. I think anybody that's watching us would, would say that. Now, the schedule has been a little more direct this year in that we opened up with Central Florida. You know, we did open up with a really good North Carolina State team, I thought, last year. At the beginning of the season, they were pretty good. But I don't want to insult anybody, but the schedule had a few more games in there for us to get going. Offensively, we did not play particularly well. Uh, early in the season. So based on the first four games from last year to the first four games this year, our record may still stink, but we're we're way up. We're a lot better offensive football team in the first four games. We played probably four better teams than we played in the first four game overall. So it's just hard to measure it. We've tried not to get, you know, too depressed, okay, or, you know, get, get too much. I think there was a point in there after the Georgia State game, we were all you know, we, we were we were we were having to tell each other don't don't get too upset you know don't jump off the ledge it was hard not to want to get on some kids a little bit maybe more than we should have gotten on them coach Houston did a nice job with that of coming in and having a no pouting rule a no whining rule you know what I'm saying that we, we we're going to get that past us there must have been a lot of noise out there I learned a long time ago y'all are outstanding at what y'all do I don't pay a lot of attention to what you say because if you said something really good about me, that wouldn't that make me probably screw up more. If you're saying something bad, that'd probably make me mad at you and that wouldn't help the situation either. So I, not that I don't hear anything, but just kind of stay away from that and just kind of stay at it. Now after the season, you may go back and kind of kind of look at it and all that stuff. But uh, I, I know I'm telling you, giving you a long answer. We're a lot better, but again, you are what you are. Coach, you have three guys in Deontay Smith, Josiah Hatfield, and Demetrius Mooney, who were significant contributors last year, but um, they seem little to no playing time thus far this year um, for a variety of reasons. Can we expect to see them play a more prominent role this week? Well, let's just kind of go back because it's all of an individual situation. You, you mentioned Mooney, Demetrius Mooney. Uh, he has had just, you know, a bad situation in that uh, he's been injured. You know what I'm saying? He, he's had a lot of things that have gone on with him, you know, at the foot problem. So the reason he hasn't been in there playing a lot is he has not been physically able to go play. So, yeah, we, he, he was involved back in special teams a lot. And then, again, now he's got another condition that's going on that's a medical deal. So that's why he's not playing. 
Uh, it's not that he's not – he's better than he was last year. Now, we got some other cats that are, that are playing pretty good, you know, so that's a, that's a tough room in there to get, get reps at. You better be pretty good. Uh, but we, we haven't thrown him away. Uh, who was the other one you asked? Hatfield? Josiah? Was yes, sir. Josiah Hatfield? Yeah, Josiah Hatfield. Shoot, that's my dream guy. I, I tell him every time, you know, we, we, where's Josiah when he have plays? Josiah got hurt in the very first game. And uh, the one skill he doesn't possess is some durability right now. So he got hurt and it took him forever to come back. And then uh, it, it's been that the whole time. So he is full speed again right now. Uh, you know, uh, he does play behind Tyler Sneed. It's hard to want to take Sneed out. Sneed doesn't like to come out. He doesn't like rest. Uh, but we try to put him in some other situations. Uh, but it's been mainly because he's been hurt. And I'm sorry, who was – who was? there was a third guy you asked about. Who was it? Deontay Smith um, at tackle. Well, Deontay Smith's our best, best offensive lineman, hands down, no question. And that's all been medical as well, too. So uh, we're hoping to have him back. That would be a huge lift. It is, like I say, you, you've had to have a roster to know the offensive line, who's playing and in what position. And it's been hard to get some chemistry and build some continuity, though they've played well the last two weeks. I've really, really thought they've played really, really well uh, in the last two games. Running the ball, obviously, very much to do with them. But also, I think even, you know, pass protection's been good, too. So we'd love to have Dante back. Noah Henderson hadn't played any. All that's been injury deal too. So uh, it's just, it's been one of those years with injuries, with COVID-19, there's a lot of stuff going on. And, um, you know, but everybody's got these problems. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's around the country's got these problems. So this is just what this, it's called 2020, I guess. One final question for coach. Tony, can you talk about how the uh, sense of urgency is right now to just get a win and get one on the board and uh, at this point in the proceedings, how important it would be uh, as you, you approach the second half of the season. Yeah, it, it is. It is It is exactly what you said. What we can't do and what we don't do by our philosophy is we don't over-concentrate on that because I don't know if that would help the kids if we press and say, you got to win, we got to win, we got to win. So we don't talk a lot about that. We don't talk a lot about the result. We talk more about the process. What we Like literally what we do is we say to them on Sunday, We've got to get in here and watch the film from the day before, and we got to learn. We got to learn to not make that mistake, and we got to learn from that, and we got to get better. Then you go, they go lift weights. You need to go lift weights today, and you need to get stronger. You know, we got to we got to practice better, and you just each day try to stack those days. So we don't sit there and say we got to win. We got to do this to win. We say we have to go do this, and then if you'll do these things good things will happen. And in this sport, good things means winning. You know what I'm saying? It's a win business. That's what it is. So you don't concentrate too much on the results, with more on the process. I think that seems to work better. That's not something we came up with. You know, that's what most, I think, programs probably do. Uh, and so that's where it's at. Practice well today. Now tomorrow, come back, have good meetings, practice well, correct things, uh, be energized, handle the trip, you know, Hanley, we have so many young kids that they haven't been through this. You throw this on with the weird school, online school, and all the different things, it's just, it's strange feel around campus. It's very, very different not having the other students here and not having the daily schedule like it normally is. It's weird not having the fans in the stands. You know, uh, I mean, it's still good, 
but it's it's not the same. You know what I'm saying? It's not the same. If we'd have had that game against Navy with a normal Dowdy Ficklin atmosphere, it would have been one of the all-time classic games, I think. Okay. Donnie, thank you for your time. Thank you, guys. See you. See you. Ready to go whenever you are, Coach. Okay. All right. Uh, wrapped up our typical Thursday practice. Uh, even though it's Wednesday, I think the days have us all screwed up. I don't know which, which day it is, but, uh, you know, had a good Thursday. Had a good week of practice. Um, I think the kids worked hard to prepare uh, since Navy. And uh, the one thing is they're just – they're ready to go play. You know, I think they were just like me. They didn't want to buy a week last week. They'd rather play. But, uh, you know, we took advantage of that and uh, and had a little bit more preparation. Got some more guys back and uh, we'll be ready to go. Okay, we'll open up questions for Coach Houston at this moment. Coach, do you expect to have Penix and Tank back this week or is that still kind of in flux? No, they both both practiced all week. So they're ready to go. What just what will their return mean, especially from a leadership standpoint, with those guys being older players? Well, I think it's just that you know, older players. Uh, both of them have key key roles on each side of the ball and on special teams. Uh, and that's you know, this year just the craziness of this year. You can't have enough people, uh, and uh, especially guys that have been out there and uh, you know have game experience and uh, you know have 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 been through the rigors of this conference. <clears throat> Coach, earlier this week you talked about Tulsa's size. How do you combat that size? Well, we've got better size this year, so that's a good start. Um, the the thing is, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, they are a big football team. Uh, we've got to be ready to fight. You know, we got to try to match their physicality. Uh, we got to try to execute at a high level. Uh, you know, we got to try to you know do some things that uh, maybe will give them some problems. Uh, so we'll uh, you know we'll see how well we handle that Friday night. Coach, when you look at the way things went this week for you in practice, what is it that you like the most about uh, this week's work and, and gives you a little bit of optimism coming into Friday? Well, I mean, I got a lot of optimism going into Friday just because of how the kids have worked. Um, I think we continue to improve. I think certainly getting uh, some of the guys back that were out is going to you know boost our, our entire roster. I think uh, you know just continuing to develop um, you know both sides. Uh, it's just we're going to continue to play better, and, uh, and that's the goal. You know, Friday night. You know, we've kind of laid out our our plan. Uh, you know, consistently throughout the week of the things that I think we need to do Friday night in order to win the ball game. Uh, and that's uh, we just talked about when we left the field. You know, we finished. You know, our practice today with a two-minute drill uh, and putting you know, putting Jake Verity in a situation to win the ball game. And uh, you know, we want to give ourselves that opportunity Friday night. And you know, it's going to be a four-quarter battle. Uh, and we're going to have to fight our tails off. But, uh, you know, our group is, uh, you know, they're confident uh, and they're ready to go out there and fight. Coach, talk about how big it's been to have Holton back after the adversity. And I know it's been good to have the bye week. And now you have Holton back and have these guys back. Well, that's that's the biggest advantage of having the bye is it got everybody back and got some practice and got, you know, our timing back, you know, some of the guys were a little rusty after the quarantine, uh, so it gave us a week to get them, you know, kind of dialed back in. Uh, I thought Holton was very sharp, uh, and you know, it's just his experience. You know, when you take and you have a, a guy that's a high-level player like he is, and then they have so much experience like he does. I mean, it's really irreplaceable, you know, and it's 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 why we really liked the situation we had in the quarterback room from a standpoint of we have a 
you know, we don't have an older quarterback, but we have a, you know, a guy that has a couple of years under his belt that does have great experience and that gives those younger quarterbacks time to develop. Uh, and I think that's going to be something that will pay off for us, not just this week, but that'll pay off for us, you know, for the next couple of years as we continue to develop that room. Coach, I know Cliff Godwin in baseball always always hates when we ask about weather, but uh, this being a, a kind of a late Friday night game, it looks like temperatures might dip a, a little bit. Is that does that, if anything, add to the physicality and kind of nature you're expecting yeah. of this game? It's perfect. I mean, it's 47 degrees. It's balmy. You know, it's not like it's going to be 22 or, or 15. I mean, we've had we've had late season games before. We'd tee off in, in the teens. Uh, there were going to be virtually no wind. So I think 47 at kickoff uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So it's going to be great football weather. And that's, I talked to our kids about preparing for that. I'll talk, talk to them a little bit more tomorrow. Uh, I know we've had some very comfortable weather this week, but you know, to me, that's, you think of Friday night football, uh, late season football, you know, that's the way it's played. It's played in those kind of conditions and the teams that can handle that, you know, those are the ones that thrive. And that's, you know, that really fits the core thing when we talk about building our program. I mean, we're building a physical football team. I mean, that's it. We've come so far. We have a long ways to go, but you know, we're building a team that's going to be able to uh, play well in that environment. So I, I think it's a great, great time to have that kind of a game. Coach, we talked about this with Blake yesterday. Um, how important is it going to be to break serve a little bit on defense and give your offense a few more opportunities than the, you know, than they get? Well, I mean, I just I, th I think they have a really outstanding quarterback. Uh, you know, I think he's improved drastically from last year, and he, he's just he's, – he's a great field general. And I mean that from a standpoint of, you know, he seems to be able to get them in the right play no matter what it is. He does a great job in the RPO game, uh, you know, throws the ball very well down the field and does not make a lot of mis mistakes. And so I think it's going to be very important for us to try to get him off track. Uh, I think if he's comfortable, then, uh, you know, he's going to have a lot of success. So we've got to do whatever we can to keep him off, off step. Coach, you talked about this week that you're still installing things on defense. And I, I kind of have to wonder, too, to pick up on that question, maybe stealing a possession somehow with something on special teams. Are there some things that you guys are maybe still working on or cooked up coming off and off week special teams-wise? Well, I mean, we've, we've got stuff that we've been working on all season that we haven't, uh, you know, put out there in all three phases. So, uh, you know. That's, there's still lots. I'm sure Tulsa's got a lot. You know, I think that, you know, they were off for, you know, I don't know, three or four weeks of the quarantine. So, I, you know, I've told our guys I'll be ready to expect about anything from them. Coach, coming out of the buys, is testing gone pretty well this week? Can you just provide an update there? It's gone okay. Uh, we've had some glitches. You know, we're going to have some guys out, but it, uh, you know, I think Tulsa probably will too. So, uh, it's what we're all dealing with. I mean, fortunately, we're not in the situation Wisconsin's in. Coach, is there a number right now that may be out if the, as far as uh, guys out? Not that I'm going to give you. You guys can count heads Friday night at uh, 9 o'clock. Okay, are there any other questions for Coach Houston? Um, how will the later game time just impact what game day looks like for you guys? Well, you know, it's, um, it is 9 o'clock Eastern. Uh, we are going to try to get them – you know, keep them up a little bit late and let them sleep in to try to get us a little bit on central time. So it'll be an eight o'clock central kickoff. Uh, you know, we kicked off at 7 p.m. Eastern. 
down in South Florida. So I don't, uh, I don't think it's gonna be a huge difference. Uh, we're gonna try to function our day uh, a little bit similarly to we did that, that Saturday down in South Florida, which I thought our, our players handled very, very well. And I thought they really liked uh, the night kickoff uh, in that situation. So, uh, you know, I, th I think we'll be just fine handling. I'm glad we got the experience of a, a night kickoff earlier in the year. Okay, Coach Houston, thank you for your time. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you soon. Once again, that was our uh, the press conference with offensive coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick, defensive coordinator Coach Blake Harrell, friend of the podcast, and Coach Mike Houston, head coach Mike Houston. Uh, hopefully one day a, a, another friend of the podcast. I'd, I'd love to have him on. Um, pick it, oh, pick yeah, his we'll, brain. We'll, we're we'll going to get Coach Houston on at some point. Yeah, it, we'll it, get Coach Houston. It'll probably be in the spring around spring practice and, and when we can yeah. uh, sit oh, yeah. down with him and and he's got more time and hopefully not thinking as much about COVID protocols as, as what he's thinking about right. now. I'd, 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 I'd love to even do a face-to-face -face with Coach Houston. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll have to get some of that uh, Brian Bailey FaceTime going on <laughs> uh, with the Boneyard Podcast, the premier podcast of Pirate Nation. Um, so, Artie, um, we're, we're going to start wrapping it up, but we, we've got this segment. Everybody loves it. I, we keep getting all these messages about – Oh yeah, this is one of our favorite segments. Um, I know yeah. one of our friends is her mom is calling her, telling her or telling her to walk the damn plank every time because we called her out, <laughs> told her to walk the damn plank. Shout out to you, Catherine Brinkley. Um, Artie, I've got yes, my sir. walk the plank. Um, uh, I, I don't know who we usually talk about it this before. I'll let you go first. Um, okay. I, I don't. And I don't I, know I, who I, yours I, is. Yeah, I hope we haven't run into each other. I, look, I, there's there's no other there's no other walk to plank I could have outside of what I saw from Game Six in the World Series last night. Um, how in the hell could you take out Tony Snell when he is ripping it? He striked out nine people. Um, he was he was playing phenomenal. They had a, I, I think the game was tied one one when they took him out. So it's not like he had given up a home run or given up a bunch of runs. And then all of a sudden, the manager comes out pulls him from the game, and literally, I think it was the next uh, next batter or the batter after that, um, Mookie Betts comes in and scores a run, and the rest is history, and the fucking Dodgers win 3-1. So, God, I hate that. My, <laughs> my walk to plank is the Tampa Bay Rays manager for Kevin making Cash. the decision. We'll say, who's that? Kevin Cash is his name. Kevin Cash. That's right, because I did not know his name. Kevin Cash <laughs> – Walk the damn plank because you you should have kept Snell in the game and you might have been playing in a game seven, but now you're just going home without a World Series title. So walk the plank. Yeah, um, that, that that's a good one, Artie. And ours kind of crossed paths. Um, I'll I'll go ahead and and I'll I'll I got some heat that I want to bring on mine. Um, first off, I don't. I'm not going to congratulate the Dodgers. I hate the Dodgers. I, I'll. I, I just can't do it. I can't pull myself to do it. Um, as an uh, as an unbiased sports journalist here on uh, on the Boneyard podcast, I can't I can't congratulate them. the The one thing I will say is, how in the world was Justin Turner out on the field after testing positive for COVID? Oh yeah, hugging hugging all of. That. Hugging all of his teammates. I get it. You won the World Series. Congratulations. 
even after I just told you I wasn't going to congratulate you. That's a that's a uh, sarcastic congratulations. All right, hmm. don't don't play dumb. You know what that was. You're out oh there. My. You're you're hugging Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen's already had COVID, but he's also he also has a heart condition. So he, I mean, he's one of these guys that is, I mean, at risk for other complications with COVID. How are you out there? And he he went around security guards even after security guards said, "Hey, you need to go back to the locker room. You can't be out here." He's out there hugging on them. And then you got Dave Roberts. I mean, hero in the 2004 World Series with the with the Boston Red Sox. You got Dave Roberts saying, "Well, I, I didn't touch him." Well, Dave, that's not that's not how this thing's really passed. I mean, yeah, kind of, but that's that's not like the majority of the way that this thing's passed. And you got Justin Turner taking his mask off. The mask isn't to keep you from getting the getting the virus. The mask is to keep you from spreading it. So if you're spreading the virus while you're out there, I mean. <laughs> Come on, man. Be a good teammate. Come on. Just sit your ass in the clubhouse. You won the World Series. That's all you need to do. Also, I got a, I got a, I got a twofer on, on the walk the plank. So, Justin Turner walked the damn plank because you, you're, you're just being ignorant and, and not paying attention and not reading the room on how, how everything's been going, you know, over the last nine months. Um, also, my other walk the plank, uh, Mr. Rob Manfred, commissioner of MLB. You know what? You want to call the World Series the commissioner's trophy? That trophy is named after you. It's named after the position you hold, the commissioner's trophy, the World Series trophy. You call it a piece of metal earlier in the season. And then you want to get choked up and start almost coming to tears and almost crying when. When you've got 10,000 fans in the stadium, the 10,000 fans that you allowed to be there and every single one of them is booing you. Oh, you're talking about the commission, the commissioner that, that brought joy to my heart, watching that man choke up and almost cry on live television. <laughs> did, you, because, did you, did you, did you see, did you see how long his pause was? He's paused like 30 seconds. Yeah. Cause he, he couldn't take it. He can't stand the heat. Because he is ruining baseball. <laughs> he is ruining baseball. And he is, they need to find a way to get that man out of baseball because he is going to ruin it. Long, hey, look, short term will, and long term. I will, I will say this. Just a few short years ago, we were saying the same thing about Roger Goodell. And Roger Goodell was able to make a complete 180. He turned it around. I don't know what happened, but he finally opened up his ears. He listened to people. And Roger Goodell is one of the better commissioners in, in, in sports right now. So I'm not saying the same thing is going to happen to Mans. Was it Mansfred? Manfred. I, I, hey, I'm, I'm not, Manfred, but I, I'm and, not and holding he, my look, breath. He's made a lot of crucial mistakes. He really has. And he deserved to get booed last night. He really did. But uh, I, I, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, Rob Manfred, walk the damn plank and don't come back. I don't want to I, 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 step in some concrete before you do it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> all right Artie. Let, let's uh let's start wrapping this thing up we got some we got some betting lines to get to um bit a big game uh this weekend we got uh a team you might know michigan state at michigan going to the big house michigan's a 24 oh, yeah. and a half point favorite 12 o'clock oh, yeah. on fox on halloween 
uh, afternoon. Big Blue, baby. Go Big Blue. Uh, right now, the the over-under is 52. The, the spread is 24 and a half. Uh, Artie, give it to me. Who, who's going to win that game? Well, look, you, you know who I'm taking. You know who I'm taking, Jared. Joe Milton is my quarterback. Jim Harbaugh is my coach. Don Brown is my defensive coordinator. You know who I'm taking, man. I'm taking you, Mitch. And to be honest with you, this should be a blowout. This this game shouldn't be close. Michigan State is a rebuilding program. They're not the same Michigan State from a couple years ago. Um, so this, this, this game really shouldn't be close. Michigan should flex their muscles. I'm saying – 38 to 17, and that's being generous. Um, but I'd, I'd honestly, I'd, I'd, I'd take the under. Even though I said 38 17, I'm taking the under because I, I just don't think Michigan State's going to score a lot of points. All right. Um, next up, we got, let's see, we'll pick a game from the American Athletic Conference. Um, three and one Memphis. I, I think a Memphis team that is, is severely underrated, they're not, they're not ranked right now. Going into Cincinnati, Cincinnati's only a seven-point favorite. Number seven, that's a 12 o'clock kick on ESPN, prime time on ESPN, Artie. Uh, yeah. What, what say you about this game? Hey, whatever the over-under is, take the over. I don't, I don't care if it's 96. Take the over. Um, these two teams are going to score a lot of points. Memphis can score with anybody, and I truly mean they can score with anybody. They just can't stop anybody. That's Memphis's problem. Um, I got Cincinnati. I think it's going to be close, but I've got Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's the better ball club and they're better coached. Okay, let me let me tell you this. So Cincinnati, they're so they're both scoring. Memphis is scoring thirty eight point eight points per game, and Cincinnati <laughs> is scoring scoring thirty seven point three points per game. Yeah, but then Cincinnati is only allowing thirteen points per game. Across four games. That's, that's, that's going to change. Like I said, Memphis can score, and they can uh, score on anyone. I, I, don't, but, I don't doubt that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> and, and then Memphis, you know, you know what Memphis has done this year? Memphis has given up. They're, they're averaging 567.8 yards allowed per game so far this season. 567 yards allowed. So – it, it, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be yeah, a high a high scoring it, game in Cincinnati. Take the over. <laughs> take the over. Um, then let's let's go. Uh, let's go a little bit. This is gonna be an interesting matchup. Uh, another game on Saturday, two o'clock kick. Another game from the American. UCF travels to Houston, uh, and UCF three and two. Houston two and one. UCF is a two-and-a-half-point favorite or a three-point favorite, and the over-under is 82-and-a-half. For me, man, I, I like what I've seen out of Houston. Uh, I, I think Houston wins that game, and mm-hmm. I'm going to say, yeah, take the over. You said, now this was Houston-UCF? Yep. Ooh. Yeah, this is this this is a toss-up. I, I, I also take the over. I think a lot of points will be scored. At 82-and-a-half. Um, Take the over. Ah man, you know what, man? I I think I think Gabriel has one of those games, man. I think I think Central Florida is going to okay. pull it off. Okay, I really do. All right, and then uh, the game that we've all been waiting for, ECU on the road Friday night, Halloween Eve, in mm-hmm. Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
Uh, Holden Aylers is back. Darius Penix is back. Tank Robinson is back. Uh, ECU goes into Tulsa as a 17-and-a-half-point underdog. The over-under is at 61. Definitely, definitely take the over on, on that. I think that yeah. uh, even though we've said it's going to be a defensive game and it might be a defensive-minded game, watch for in the second half this thing to get opened up and get blown up. Uh, that That's my prediction. Um, I think ECU covers at least. I don't know if they – win outright but I do think that they I do think that they cover yeah definitely definitely take the over you said it was 61 and a half uh it's 61 yes 61 yeah absolutely take the over um man I god I'd I'd love to pick ECU here in an upset but if I'm being honest and if I'm and if I'm being true I I just I truly believe that Tulsa is the better football team I'm not going to say that they're better coached but I do believe that they are the better football team and I think that's going to happen on Friday night. I think it's a lot closer than what people think. I think it's going to be – oh, man. I, I, I think they score 41. Um, I think it's 41-34. Okay, so, so you're, you're going to say that uh, ECU covers the spread? Yes. Okay. Well, there you have it. I, I think that – I think we both agree that ECU will cover. Um, I, I don't know that ECU wins this game outright. I think that Tulsa – like you said, it's just uh, too good of an opponent. Um, ESPN's Football Power Index is giving Tulsa an 89.7% chance at a victory. Um, ECU just a 10.3% chance. Um, quick math there. But, yeah, already this game's going to be a fun one. It's a late game. It's 9 p.m. Eastern time on Friday night. So get your beer. Get you uh, get you some cold, nice cold drinks, maybe a little bit harder drink uh, for to kind of keep the party rolling. Um, get yeah. you get you some vodka, Red Bull. Um, make make you make you a nice little drink, and saddle up for a fun ride in Tulsa. Gonna uh, good. gonna ride the hurricane, Artie. Um, we're we're pirates. We're we're used to that. So uh, <laughs> with that with that, I'll say, make sure you're following us on on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, you can find us at Boneyard Podcast. You can also uh, email us at boneyardpod at gmail dot com. Um, make sure you're sending us questions, sending us comments. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Also, make sure you leave us a review. Reviews make us best friends. If you want to be a true friend of the podcast, leave us a review. Five-star review. Leave us your comments. We want to, we want to hear from you. Also, we're working, out, we're working out some sponsorships. If you're interested in getting in on that, you better hit. You better hit it now, because I mean, we got we got some good things coming up here in the coming weeks, and uh, I, I think that we're seeing things move in the right direction here at the premier podcast of Pirate Nation, the Boneyard Podcast. So everybody, uh, make sure make sure you do all that. Uh, if you if your business is looking to sponsor a fun podcast, you know what we do. Um, we're two guys that drink beer, talk sports, and uh, shoot the shit. Um, so yeah, make make sure you do all that. And then, Artie, do you have any final thoughts? Any any final words for Pirate Nation before you see before you see no plays Tulsa? Friday night versus Tulsa. Until then, hasta la luego, Pirate Nation, and we'll see you on the post game. Alrighty, we'll uh, we'll be coming to you with the post game on Saturday morning. So uh, be on the lookout for that. We're out, y'all. Peace. <laughs>